Slam for April 26, 2020. It is Sunday. It is a beautiful day outside, and here I am in the basement, as I have promised to review the following three shows for you. I'm Lee. I'm your host this week, going solo amidst the prevailing circumstances. We have AEW Dynamite from April 22nd, 2020 to talk about. We have The Big Show Show, Netflix's own, Season 1, Episode 3. To talk about, we have Total Bellas from the E Network Season 5, Episode 4. Uh, we are going to start with AEW, we are going to mosey through the big show show, and we will finish up with Total Bellas. How's your week? Just went out and did some grocery shopping myself. Productive day, a little yard work done. Had a nice spring rain yesterday, allowing, uh, you know, things are greening up back there already. The trees are going to be budding soon. It's going to be fantastic here at the end of April. We are seeing the first fruits of spring here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. All right, let's talk about AEW Dynamite. Uh, We open the show with Cody in a hacker-like dungeon. He is sizing up the TNT Championship bracket. He needs this title. He cannot challenge uh, for the AEW Heavyweight Championship. So this is is it. Uh, He needs it. Am I too comfortable? He asks himself. Will he answer the call? Tony and Chris Jericho, Tony Siobhan, and uh, Chris Jericho on commentary. They're getting better every week. Uh, they run down the card, what we can expect to see tonight. We will hear from one Matt Hardy. We will hear, or see an appearance of, or see wrestle, one Kenny Omega returning to action tonight. Scorpio Sky has some kind of video presentation for us. Uh, Jimmy Havoc versus freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. MJF injured. We'll hear from him. Wardlow will be in action tonight. Another installment of The Bubbly Bunch. And uh, Brody Lee is going to be making uh, an appearance here on the show. And in the main event, we have Dustin Rhodes versus Kip Sabian. Uh, Sapien? Sabian. I believe it's Bian. And if if Dustin loses this match, he's going to hang up his boots. So, see how that goes. First up, Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allin. TNT... Uh, bracket championship match. Uh, there's a pre-taped promo. We uh, we hear from Sammy. Uh, he's talking about it as a Revolution rematch. Of course, those two guys had a pretty damn good match on the Revolution pay-per-view. Uh, Sammy, uh, in a turn of fate here, uh, jumps Darby before the match begins. Uh, Jericho says here, hey, you're wondering why we have these uh, railings uh, next to... It's been brought up on every show now. Why do we have guard railings when there's no audience? It's so you can set up an apparatus like this. Uh, he sets up a gate uh, across from the ring uh, apron to the other gate uh, with a ladder or something there. It's a ladder, I think he does, from the gate to the to the ring uh, he goes to the top rope, he does the I'm crazy uh, thing Sammy Guevara does, and just j- jumps off the top rope and hits Darby laying on this ladder, and that ladder just it absorbs the impact, and by god this looked like it hurt, but it also looked fucking awesome. He pulls Darby into the ring, the bell finally rings, and the match begins for real, 1-2, kick out. Uh, we learn that the winner will go on to face Cody next week in the uh, semifinal. 
of the TNT Championship Tournament. Darby pulls off uh, Sammy's boot with an uh, inverted ankle lock. He's got him, like, strung up on the ropes, uh, and he's just pulling at his feet here. Uh, managed to get off his uh, his boot and whatever kind of sock he's wearing. So we just have a naked Sammy Guevara foot, for anyone who's into that. Uh, Chris Jericho on commentary here, amazing as always, uh, and giving some different insight. He is a high flyer, taking off just one of his boots and fucking up one of his legs. Could affect his balance for the rest of the match. Sammy selling his naked foot. Springboard, springboard cutter to Darby all the same. Um, fake out. Uh, from Darby with an, another grab at the ankle. Uh, Darby's got a nosebleed here. The two guys just slug it out, which is always good when two littler guys just decide to start punching each other in the face. They exchange blows. Sammy Guevara hits the spinning back fist. Uh, there is a face kick. Sammy, uh, whoa. <laughs> no idea what I wrote here. Uh, Alright, back from commercial break. Sammy Guevara on the ground. I'm not going to tell you what it looks like I wrote here. Sammy Guevara on the ground. Darby. Uh, with the Lope Suicida into the barricade head first. Jesus Christ. Uh, Pineapple Pete is standing here. Chris Jericho points him out again. That idiot Pineapple Pete. Uh, Sammy Guevara with like a 730 flip onto his neck. You uh, didn't get all of it. Let's just say that. One, two, kick out. Great sequence uh, to follow this. Lots of uh, quick moves. Darby tangles Sammy up with a pin. One, two, three. The Last Supper gets the win here for Darby. Allen, he will go on to fight Cody next week. Uh, Kip versus Dustin with his career on the line. That's still coming up later today. But first, we hear from one Matt Hardy as I take a sip of a little bit of the bubbly. Mm. And by that, I mean Michael Bublé's bubbly, the sparkling beverage. Cherry, please. All right. Matt Hardy says he invited Chris Jericho to the Hardy compound, but Chris Jericho... Didn't show up. No response. Uh, perhaps it is the Damascus character that Chris Jericho cannot deal with. Maybe uh, Hardy uh, th- therefore extends the invite to Sammy instead. Uh, refers to Chris Jericho as the hole of the ass, which is pretty great. Uh, and then says, yeah, I'm, maybe I'm too intense for Chris Jericho, so I'll become the regular Matt Hardy who he is used to dealing with. And I guess in the kayfabe canon of the Damascus Matt, broken Matt Hardy character, uh, Matt Hardy, the guy, uh, still exists. He is the mortal, uh, shell of the, the, the carrier of the, the, whatever. This is all fine. Uh, again, I'm not the biggest fan of the Matt Hardy stuff, especially the broken Matt Hardy stuff. Uh, me and Matt Hardy's relationship, uh, begin and end at, uh, WWF Attitude and Smackdown on the PS1, where my buddy would always want to be Jeff Hardy, and therefore, I would always play as Matt Hardy. My affinity for Matt Hardy is just from that. Him as a wrestler and on-screen character, I, I have no strong feelings of. And that continues to this day. Uh, but it's great. Uh, it's, it's entertaining as a part of the show. And uh, there's not too much of it. So, it didn't Michael Nakazawa this episode, so to speak. Kenny Omega versus Alan Angles, Alan Angels, Alan Eagles, depending on who you ask. Uh, as Kenny Omega is coming to the ring here, we get a, a breakdown from Taz about his offense, his Snapdragons, and his V-Triggers, etc. Uh, these are kind of cool. Uh, I like I like these. Um, Chris Jericho, while has fought Kenny multiple times and uh, hates him character to character, still manages to put him over here in a heelish way and calls him an idiot the whole match. And Chris Jericho is fantastic and doing a very good job and uh, also refers to Kenny Omega as a pumpkin-headed dipshit. 
chops, chops, chops. Chris Jericho calls this a warm-up match. Uh, that it would be an enhancement match for one Kenny, but uh, not not really. The beginning of this match seems like Kenny's kind of playing with him, not, not in a heelish way. But the match goes on for a little long, and Alan Angles, Eagles, Angels here uh, gets quite a bit of offense in. Uh, 70-30 match, if not like a 60-40, to be, to be honest with you. Uh, Kenny counters a move, backbreaker, one, two, kick out. Chris Jericho refers to Alan Angles as a Tijuana taxi driver. Uh, he then sings Sultans of Swing, which made uh, me double take while watching this, as uh, that is one half of our intro and outro music. Double foot drop kick to Kenny. Got all of it. Alan kicks out of a, a V-trigger pin. Uh, Kenny gets him up for a powerbomb and V-triggers him again with a one, two, three. So Alan did get in some offense here. Uh, and the thing is, Kenny Omega is a very good pro wrestler. So uh, when you get some offense in on Kenny Omega, he sells it for you. And it looks, it makes you look good, uh, Sir Jobber, whose name I have heard of before. So I feel like this guy's, maybe that's why he got more of a match here. Scorpio Sky video talks about uh, his life coming up, his career, choosing to be a pro wrestler, uh, not being able to do it anymore, etc. I believe uh, th- this is like a two-part thing because they tease... Uh, More to come at the end of this. Cody listening to a voicemail from his brother, Dustin Rhodes. Uh, TNT uh, Heavyweight Championship or whatever it's called. TNT Championship. TV Championship. Most important thing to Dustin since uh, his match with Cody at double or nothing. Dustin will retire after 32 years if he can't beat Kip. Uh, Dustin also puts Kip over here. Uh, And that's something that's still happening at every level on this, and that's something, I don't know if that's just something where you, if you let wrestlers cut their own stuff, or think up their own stuff, if it is not being written by non-wrestlers, do pro wrestlers innately put over their opponents, whereas a writer for pro wrestler dialogue, say in WWE on like a Raw or SmackDown for the past how many years, doesn't think that way, and doesn't include it, it's like my opponent's like a loser, and I'm gonna beat him handedly, versus, oh, you know, I can't, I, I, I can't, Take this guy lightly. I know what he's he's capable of, uh, but I'm still going to beat him for a babyface promo. I don't know. Um, we get a cutaway too, being the Elite episode 200, where I believe Nick and Matt Jackson wrestle it out in their backyard. I have not checked that out. Maybe I, uh, if I'm starved for something to watch later, I will check it out. But uh, some some rumor to uh, this being the final episode of of being the Elite that will not be the case. Apparently, it will continue. To all 100,000 of you who enjoy it regularly. Jimmy Havoc versus Orange Cassidy. Jimmy Havoc has good music. I feel like even when we see Jimmy Havoc on AEW... Uh, so I don't watch Dark much at all. Uh, I watched it a little bit when it first started. And it's not because I, I dislike it or I think it's a waste of time. Uh, there's just... Well, I guess I do think it's a waste of time. Because there's just too much else going on and to watch every week. Uh, so good to hear that that show is, is going on. Uh, did that show jump from YouTube to the TV at some point? They were going to get another TV deal for another show? I thought Dark was going to show up on TNT or something? No? I don't know. Anyway, when we do see Jimmy Havoc on television proper, I don't feel that we hear his music all the time. He will usually arrive during a commercial break kind of guy. Uh, and I don't necessarily... I'm not in love with the Jimmy Havoc gimmick or something, but I like having it around. Uh, which I guess is a compliment. I like Jimmy Havoc as a character on this television show. Uh, I like the mask. I like his intensity. I like uh, how shitty he is. Uh, and when I say good music, 
that should be read as like it fits the gimmick if you know uh if you know what's going on here orange cassidy comes out lazy fist bump to billy gunn uh havoc immediately chokes orange cassidy with his o- orange Ca- yeah with his own jacket uh, there's a reference here from Chris Jericho to Drakkar Noir, which is a cologne from, like, the 80s, 90s. And uh, I only bring this up because there are three different uh, pieces of media I have randomly uh, listened to this week. Uh, one of them was a Giant Bomb podcast. One of them was an old Red Letter Media, I believe, Best of the Worst video. And now AEW Dynamite. It could have all been on the same night, to be honest with you. Uh, where there was a reference to Drakkar Noir on all three of those things. Uh, so the universe is t- uh, trying to tell me something, and it's confusing, whatever the hell it is. After choking Orange Cassidy with his own jacket, he then chokes him with his own shirt. They brawl outside of the ring. Uh, I have something written down here that I do not understand. Uh, we got some chops. We got uh, Chris Jericho genuinely thanks Tony for the compliment after Chris Jericho says, hey, check my record. And Tony says, it's one of the best here. A very genuine reaction from Chris Jericho, which is why he's great, which is why he can kind of go into anything and instead of it being cringy. You know, you know this guy is bought all the way in on it. And uh, we're all having fun together, right? Orange Cassidy gets his fingers fucked up. Uh, by Jimmy Havoc. A lot of finger torsion here. He bites Orange Cassidy's hands and then places them in Orange Cassidy's pockets. Uh, Jericho almost calls Orange Cassidy Julius here, uh, which I liked, and in fact, we should have fucking rolled with it. Orange Cassidy fires up, flying cross body, a big DDT. Havoc kicks out. Big face punch to Orange Cassidy. Jimmy Havoc has some good face punches. A lazy splash off the top rope. Orange Cassidy goes for a pin. Uh, Orange Cassidy with a Superman punch. Penelope Ford, uh, her and Kip apparently friends with Jimmy Havoc for the time being, uh, tries to distract. Chuck tries to trip Ford on the apron, and Ford does the splits. Penelope Ford's looking this side all right. Orange Cassidy tangles Havoc up during this while distracting stuff going on and gets the one, two, three. Havoc and Kip attack after the match. Best friends clear the ring. First Orange Cassidy win on TV. In front of no one. We hear from MJF who's uh, maybe recording this on an old phone. It's a windy day. Uh, Listen, I get everybody isn't... It's weird because while a lot of people are, are used to doing backstage stuff, recording, streaming... Uh, this kind of stuff. There, there's clearly some people who have never transgressed into that beyond maybe some light social media. And uh, when you see a show that's kind of uh, clipped together like this, where people are submitting things uh, recorded on their own to the show, you end up with this MJF thing, which was... I, I feel it maybe should have even been shittier, and then it would have been better, therefore. Uh, because at, by the end of it, the, the audio is so blown out and fucked uh, that when he says, I'm better than you and you know it, and the audio is kind of shitty... Uh, it almost should have... I don't know. It, this got better as it went, let's say. MJF su- seer, uh, suffered a serious injury while he was gambling on the first AEW with no crowd. You remember, that was the last time MJF was seen. Uh, he has a life-threatening hangnail. He will be your AEW champion. He will not be wrestling anytime soon. Presumably, he just wasn't there for the tapings. All the best, MJF. We'll see you uh, when all this is over. Lee Johnson is back, baby. And uh, he gets to fight Mr. Mayhem, the Wardlow. Wardlow's music is fucking awful. 
but like in a good way. Like Jimmy Havoc's music, it fits the gimmick. Except Jimmy Havoc's music, uh, you can actually listen to. Wardlow's music is just like the... Just double bass drums, uh, shredding guitar, and screaming. Uh, the stuff did happen in this match, but I just have written one, two, three, squash. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, video of a guy applying for the Dark Order. Uh, Brody Lee in pay-per-view asks him how tall and how much he weighs and if he played football. Inside jokes. Hands him a mask and invites him to be a new jobber. There was more to that than this, but this was fine. Uh, next up, we got Justin Law, that baby-looking guy uh, from a few weeks ago. And he's going to go against Brody Lee. Uh, Lee, uh, formerly Luke Harper, uh, real creepy looking at, uh, this guy, just staring him down and lots of good, uh, zoom ins on Brody Lee's eyes here. Just looking like a fucking lunatic. There are some moves, most importantly, a discus lariat, which gets Brody Lee the one, two, three back to back squashes. Uh, maybe we could have moved one of these up the card. We had Lance Archer open with a squash, uh, let's go a week or two weeks ago. You could have moved, uh. You could have moved the Wardlow thing to the beginning of the night, even. Or before uh, Jimmy and OC. What do I know about anything? Marco's stunt is blown away at ringside by Brody Lee's performance here. Uh, just blown away by the the raw power. Brody Lee stares him down. Apparently, next week, we will get Marco, Stunt, and Brody Lee. Marco, the little guy with the big, bushy hair, part of Jurassic Express, who apparently will be torn apart by the big, muscly men coming in. But that's okay. The day will come for Marco Stunt. Uh, all right. Bubbly Bunch, second installment. Sammy being real. Uh, it's it's not been good for the inner circle. Santana's video is still stretched out, which, uh, again, I don't know if this is completely genius uh, or just what I was referring to earlier with people being all over the place technology-wise in terms of you're submitting this to a national television. Can we not hook this guy up with a proper webcam or or, or some way to record this? Flim Flam video dance-off for a bottle of hand sanitizer. I can understand why people might be completely out on this, but these guys' personalities... The only issue I had here was Sammy throws to Jake Hagar, talking about how he lost to Moxley, and Hagar is very bubbly, uh, pun intended, and uh, upbeat and in-your-face and talking a lot during this. I think it would be way funnier if they threw to him, and much like his gimmick most of the rest of the time, Jake Hagar does not talk. Uh, but he's on this video call and you just see his face reacting. But I guess Jake Hagar talks now. Sure. Okay. Uh, Flim Flam is TikTok. It's a, it's their fake, it's like comic book where they don't have the Facebook. Uh, my only problem with that is on in comic books is when they do the fake Facebook, but then some other comic books just use the real Facebook. Then it gets, it's like in the DC Universe with Soder. But then occasionally someone just has a soda. And it's like, well, what the fuck is it? Which is it? What earth is this? Uh, Dance Off Sammy... The Spanish God handedly wins this dance-off to win the hand sanitizer. Jericho is very jealous of Sammy's dance performance. Possibly the first dissension we've seen in the inner circle. Next week we will hear from John Moxley, who is the people's champion. He will wrestle for them. You will have to pry that championship from his cold, dead hands. And we'll hear from him next week. Dustin Rhodes' video. Kip also in the video. Brandy comes out with Dustin. Penelope Ford comes out with Kip. Dustin goes for a handshake. Uh, Kip, while a bad guy, doesn't necessarily have anything against Dustin in particular. And when you consider uh, Kip being a new wrestler, and Dustin being a 32-year-old veteran, uh, I mean, come on, we can go back to uh, to TNA, to, to uh, 
Gold Dust, all these other things uh, we know of Dustin Rose. He's putting his whole career on the line here tonight against you, Kip. If you beat him, you retire this guy. Regardless of what happens in the rest of this tournament, Kip, this will put you over. I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. He denies Dustin the handshake, maybe goes for a quick fist bump. We were reminded by Tony that the winner will face Lance Archer next week. Chris Jericho puts over Dustin Rhodes big time. Ford cheating while the ref's head is turned. Commercial break. Dustin misses a corner knee. Fucks up his knee. Kip torques his knee. Further injuring his knee. Dustin dodges uh, a dropkick with a delay. Roll pin. Kick out by Kip Sabian. Near falls on Dustin. Kip with a headlock for a bit here. Dustin with some moves. Power slam. Kick out. Kip. Big DDT. Kick out by Dustin. Uh, this is my moment, not yours, says Kip, as he batters down Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Aubrey and Brandy, uh, distraction finish, basically. Uh, Aubrey is uh, distracted. Penelope Ford's about to get into the ring. Brandy spears her, and they both roll out of the ring in time for uh, Dustin Rhodes to take uh, Kip for a little ride here out of the corner with a running Canadian Destroyer. One, two, three, Dustin Rhodes will move on. The natural will face Lance Archer next week. Uh, we will also have Best Friends versus Jimmy Havoc and uh, Kip Sabian. So, sure. Uh, so, obviously, when they did these tapings, they didn't have access to their whole roster. Uh, no women's wrestling here again. Uh, not even, like, a job match. Hikaru Shida does appear at uh, ringside, but their their presence is next to nil uh, outside of the valets on this show. Uh, from, a, from a wrestling telling story point of view they are so in on the things they are currently telling you don't notice uh that that mainstays like the lucha bros the death triangle as it were uh kenny omega's partner adam page isn't on this thing the young bucks aren't around uh you to their credit uh you know Pac, we haven't seen him in a long time uh to their credit the show isn't feeling that and i understand people 100 percent if they want to take a break from aw and come back when they are at full power being able to book the way they want but let me tell you making chicken salad out of chicken shit aw is doing a very good job right now uh and credit to them i found this show to be entertaining thank you very much that was aw dynamite for this past week some good matches in there i love uh, darby allen i love sammy guevara and I got a lot of those guys on that show. Let's talk about The Big Show Show, episode three. Uh, I talked about the cold open last week, but to boil it down, basically, uh, Cass, the Big Show's wife in the show, and Lola, her stepdaughter, Big Show's daughter from a first marriage, are going to go get their nails did and do some shopping together. We open the show, and uh, that awful actor uh, who is JJ's teacher is visiting them. Uh, she is here to talk about JJ. She, uh, they did a test of some kind. You know how we test elementary school kids, uh, to see if they're geniuses. Anyways, uh, she scored off the charts. Uh, the, the word genius is literally thrown around here. Big Show and Cass laugh hysterically at the idea of their daughter being smart, which is a TV trope I've never understood. Uh, Big Show says she could be the next Steve Jobs, while his wife informs him she could also be the next Gru, the Steve Carell character from... Uh, what was it? Despicable Me? Yeah. We all know uh, where this is going to lead JJ, as they all answer at the same time, her teacher and her parents. A life of crime. Concerning. Uh, Mandy is running for student president. We see her here in class handing out buttons. She's got it in the bag, running unopposed. Nene, Taylor Swift himself, 
emerges from the back of the classroom. This kid's got it all. He's short. Uh, he's his name is Taylor Swift. He doesn't want to uh, to let his name influence the election at all though he does now work in like six titles to taylor swift songs into his speech the joke is that the kid's name is taylor swift that's the joke uh and he is popular by default because of this mandy maybe this isn't a problem with taylor swift maybe this is a problem with you you were running unopposed but the minute someone raised their hand that shares a name with a celebrity they are suddenly taking all your votes based on that alone. Perhaps, Mandy, you need to look into your policies. Cass and Lola arrive home from their nail date and shopping. There is a hologram concert, and I'll get more into what that is at the concert later. Uh, she's coming to Tampa Bay. She invites her stepmom, Cass. Big Show loves them spending time together. JJ arrives. They, uh, they want to move her to the Accelerated Learning Program. JJ gives this a hard pass. Uh, but for Big Show, she will try it, uh, which is good. Sometimes there's, like, the odd line in this show where I'm like, that feels unstepped on. Like, someone just maybe didn't understand uh, a quick bit of wit in the dialogue and, the, and therefore just left it alone as to not bring it up and seem like an idiot. Uh, there's a few good lines in this show. But I said the same about a, a, a certain show called Girl Meets World. Where it was 15%, 15%, 15 minutes of cringe, and then three minutes of maybe witty dialogue, something funny. Usually involving the old cast. Mandy arrives, and she's complaining her heads off about this whole Taylor Swift uh, situation. Don't really care about the Mandy subplot, as uh, is usual in the Big Show show. JJ and Big Show arrive at her new class. The teacher is the guy from the Office episode with Prison Mike, the uh, the gentleman who joined their crew and had previously spent time in prison. That actor is here, and it's reminding me of watching the Office episode with Prison Mike, and uh, that made me smile to think of that while watching this. Uh, Cass and Lola are at the concert. The concert is basically a Hatsune Miku concert. It is a hologram, a projected light uh, that sings techno music. Everyone there is like semi J popped up, wearing the you know they got their glow sticks and stuff. The, it 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 was very light. It has felt like a small show, uh, like at a cabaret club or uh, you know something indie. Lola's friends thinks uh, her stepmom Cass is cool as fuck for being lax, uh, even going with Lola to a concert on a weeknight. Lola buys a shirt. And wants a tattoo of the Hologram logo. So, the logo, which stands for uh, a joke that didn't quite land. The Hologram spelling is H-A-L-L-E-G-R-A-H-A-M. I believe I saw it written on the shirt here. Hallygram. Very good. Uh, I'm barely a stepmom, says Cassie. I'm more of a friend. Uh, Lola understands this is meaning she can get a tattoo. And as Cass, because it's a sitcom, and Cass can actually end the entire uh, storyline here by saying, no, 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 that's not what I meant. Uh, She lets Lola think this is the case. The next morning, Lola flies into the room with tattoo ideas on her cell phone to show to Cass. Cass tells her to be fucking cool. The Big Show is right there. Big Show says he's seven foot tall and 400 pounds. Uh, He wasn't born yesterday, but he was born over several days. What's going on? 
Uh, Cass lets him in on the tattoo, and uh, Big Show lets us know she is 15 and she cannot get a tattoo. So we know now that Lola is 15 definitively. Mandy approaches Taylor Swift at school. You're going to have to stay after school every day to do this whole student president thing. You're going to have to uh, not do go to lacrosse class. Uh, Taylor Swift's actual uh, reasons why being student president would ruin his time wasn't like, oh, I won't get to play video games or be a cool guy. He legitimately was part of other clubs and stuff that may prevent him from being st- uh, student president. And Taylor Swift just seems like a cool... The whole point here is that Mandy seems like the heel here. She's She's shrill. Uh, and she just wants to run unopposed. She doesn't seem to be interested uh, in in playing it fair here, a fair election, as it were. Uh, she's trying to convince this boy that he shouldn't run for X, Y, and Z, not convincing everybody else why they should vote for her over him. Big Show returns home. He finds JJ sitting on the couch eating mac and cheese. He says he saw her on the Gator Cam. Nice little callback here. Uh... And uh, she called in sick as the Big Show, using a voice modulator of some kind. The school told her that even if she is sick, she needs to come in. Different time. Uh, Six months ago. (laughs) Uh, JJ is scared of not being the smartest kid in her school. Hey man, I get it. Uh, This happens to kids. This This is not just related to academics. This happens with sports. You're the best... You're the best uh, baseball player on your team, so instead of getting to play with your friends or the people you live near, you get put on a team further away. And instead of winning all of your games now, it is close, or you are losing, and the expectations are that much higher. This is a real thing that happens to kids, uh, especially those who are gifted one way or the other. Look at Doogie Hauser. I mean, look at it. JJ is eight. We learn here. And I'm also just realizing now there is a JJ in this show and the show I'm about to review, uh, review after this. Big Show is afraid of mascots. JJ laughs at this. They make a deal that if JJ goes and faces her fears and goes to her academically accelerated class, that Big Show will go to Disney World and deal with his fear of mascots. So, <laughs> Taylor Swift's mom or mom's This is a throwaway line here uh, that I pay attention to. Just like I pay attention to Total Bellas trying to figure out what their dad's addiction was or what he did or didn't do to a woman in his life. Uh, The kid says moms. uh, Something I haven't revealed about the kid. Uh, He's he's a black kid. Uh, That had nothing to do with him being cool. He's cool outside of that. Uh, But he does say moms. He puts the S at the end, which could mean his mom or his mom's. His lesbian moms, I don't know. It's a throwaway line. It's never embellished on. Uh, Regardless of that case, they both convince him that he should stay in the race. Mandy screams in his face over this. Uh, Mandy's awful. Taylor Swift should be class president. The Taylor Swift part, uh, now that it's revealed that he is uh, the the cool black kid, it's even more... Taylor Swift. Last name Swift. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Anyway. JJ is cool. Kid asks uh, that, uh, hey, glad you're back, JJ. Look at this app I just made. JJ says, let's make some hacker shit and uh, make some money here. And uh, the kid says, if you give me a children's Red Bull, I'll be up to do anything you want. The children's Red Bull line is funny. Uh, JJ asks his name. He reveals it's Bjorn. 
JJ says she's going to call him Slider. Back at home, Big Show slugs Terry in the face, who is wearing a seal mascot outfit, a generic seal mascot. It's the intervention for the Big Show. We're going to get him unscared of mascots. He punches Terry in the face again uh, in the course of this. It's a worked punch. Don't worry for Terry. Terry, of course, Jaleel White. Cass and Lola at the tattoo parlor. I guess it's closed. Renee, the tattoo artist who looks like a uh, wrestler in his own right, comes out. He's got a special on snakes and Frasier tattoos. Again, the throwaway line in this that's actually, like, if there was more of lines like this, uh, it'd be better, I guess. I don't know. Uh, maybe that Cass can get a tattoo of the date of the concert. That's a cool compromise. Uh, Cass says, you know what? No, I got to put my foot down here. I got to be a mom. Got to find that balance. And they end up leaving with matching dot tattoos. Not unlike the Friends episode where uh, Phoebe gets the dot tattoo and uh, Rachel gets a real tattoo. Well, Phoebe says that's uh, her mom, how she sees Phoebe from heaven uh, as a little speck in space. Okay. Back home, the tattoos are revealed. Uh, Terry is recovering from the beatdown he took from Big Show. JJ has her friends over. She is wearing a scarf much like the titular character of Despicable Me. Uh, She has a group of friends over like her minions that are asking for bananas. Hilarious. Referencing the minions in 2020. Cold open of the next episode. Big Show is making food. He will be on Wake Up Tampa. He compares it to the Mona Lisa or Crocs, the breeziest shoe. Mandy is turning to influencers to help win this presidential uh, bid for the student president and a sinkhole, sinkhole opens up across from the school therefore canceling it <coughs> it's a busy day for Cass and Big Show how will they manage their three kids now that they have to be home from school a lot of these people uh, that work during the day have these kind of lives uh, live in houses such as the one depicted in the sitcom, have some sort of help, have a, a nanny or uh, something to that effect. I feel like these people would be able to find a babysitter or some family or fucking Terry to come over and watch them. Maybe that's what literally happens in this episode. And I've just spoiled it for myself. Let me take a little sippy and we'll run down total Bellas. Thanks for sticking with me. Total Bellas Season 5, Episode 4. We recap what has happened so far. What a ride it's been. We're in Phoenix. We're in Phoenix for most of this episode, but the episode, uh, the the show, still points out when we're there. Every every scene transition. Nikki and Birdie are doing their makeup. Bree arrives. Uh, Brian would have a heart attack if he saw Birdie putting on makeup. Title break. We're taking over. We're taking over the world. We're in Phoenix. Still... Uh, we are at Bunder- Butterfly Wonderland, which seems like a pretty cool place. A huge a butterfly uh, conservatory of some kind. JJ's there with his wife, Lauren, and their two kids. The mom is there, and she wants a family picture for her goddamn birthday. And she doesn't want Nikki's boyfriend, Artem, to be in it. Now, I don't know how everybody's family photos work, but usually it's pretty easy to do uh, a picture that's just immediate family, then the significant others, the outsiders of the family, as it were, the in-laws. I don't think it would be that awkward to ask, hey, one with just the kids and me. um, And the kicker of all of this, 
is that Artem, much like Daniel Bryan, a uh, just a, a person with a head on their shoulders in this sea of fucking lunatics, uh, would have completely understood any explanation for this. Uh, he would not have taken it personally. He would even make jokes about it and rib with these people as he feels he has that kind of relationship at this point. And as my wife pointed out while we watched this, we don't actually know at the point of this recording, we're kind of lost in time, how long Nikki and Artem have actually been together. So we don't know whenever it's brought up that they're moving too quickly or too slow or what's going on with Nikki. Uh, we don't know how long uh, in months or years these two have been together. We assume it's got to be under a year at this point of recording. Uh, as the Cena thing happened at the, the, the end of last episode, so maybe like a little over a year at this point. I'm also basing this on the fact that Artem is the one that she actually marries and has a kid with. I think that's how it goes, and I hope that's how it goes, because Artem seems like a cool guy. They d go out of their way to not mention John Cena's name here again, which is so fucking weird. Uh, it's very WWE of them to have a redacted uh, thing they don't say. They talk. Uh, Brie talks about, hey, Cena's... Her boy, ex-boyfriend is in the pictures from my wedding, and we take those down uh, when, like, Artem comes over, or whatever. Something. This family's got fucking problems, man. Uh, JJ thinks that Nikki will be upset about this, and he's right. Uh, there's also an aquarium in this butterfly. Mm -hmm. uh, JJ feels that uh, Nikki favors Birdie and uh, time with her sister and her niece there than his own children. Bree wonders if uh, anyone actually cares about this. So Nikki is not here. Bree is getting this information from JJ. JJ is basically putting it out there. JJ himself being the youngest, a boy, uh, whereas his two older sisters are fucking twins. Uh, so they are very close. They share everything to this day. They are just closer than he is with either one of them. He mentions he has a relationship with each one of them individually as well as them together. Uh, and he feels that his girls get the, the short straw here and not in a good way where it's like you get the short straw and you win. Uh, the short shrift, the, uh, the cold shoulder. Anyways, uh, that's the issue. That is, that's the thing that's going to blow up in this episode. Suddenly, JJ has this insecurity. And it seems like JJ's got a deeper problem than that. But the way it kind of wraps up at the end uh, seems founded here. He's got a problem with Nikki and Nikki's behavior. Uh, and we'll get into that. We go to yoga. JJ's getting all bent up. Uh, we we go back to, uh, to Nikki and Bree. No, sorry, JJ and Bree, or was some combination of them leaving yoga and a phone call. Bree gets from the police department of Phoenix. They have found her car. Her car had been stolen off the street of her gated community a week ago. They found it. Come and see it. Brian's out of town. This gives a lot of anxiety to Bree, who is, again, taking Birdie with her most places here. Even though, like I just said with that Big Show thing, I'm fairly certain, even though we don't see them in this episode... These people have help. They have nannies. They have people that take care of their house in between this. Uh, so the whole thing with Birdie being pulled along here, I think, was vanity or inconvenience uh, of timing. Uh, a coincidence of timing, as it were. But I don't truly feel that Brie is alone with Birdie all the time. And if I'm wrong, apologies to Brie, 100%. Um, but I don't think that's how... I don't think that's how these people roll. Nikki and Mom are out shopping... Mom mentions the photo with Artem and how she doesn't want him in it. Nikki is pissed. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Uh, Nikki's mom here... So Artem's not officially in the family. She doesn't want to take this big picture with Artem. Uh, she resolves 
the the plan currently is to have somehow Artem arrive later so that he isn't in the initial photographs, but he is in some photographs. This this is what would make Artem mad, if anything, rather than just flat out telling him the situation, for fuck's sake. Bree and Birdie are checking out the stolen car. Dirty rags. The thing looks uh, like a, a, a bum lived in it. It's it's not good. Shelled bullets on a dirty napkin on the passenger seat of the car. Listen, they're at a police impound. I'm not going to say anything was planted here, uh, but just like just b- bullets, like she- like shells, like it would look to be maybe nine millimeter shelled bullets laying on the seat, not in a gun, just. Not shot, not like uh, fired or anything, uh, empty casings, just bullets on a dirty napkin. Let's cut to the uh, Brie and Nikki at a costume party. It's a Downton Abbey themed costume party. Nikki doesn't want to bring up the awkwardness at this party. Let's just have fun. Artem teaches the group to line dance. Uh, Artem himself, of course, a dancer, formerly professional dancer. Uh, if he's not currently working or being paid to dance, is he a dancer? Is he human? Is he dancer? Uh, yeah. So he's teaching them to line dance uh, to kind of get favor with the f- family and friends here. He, he's making an effort. Artem is a good guy. Remember that. Mom's still planning to cut him from the photo. It's just showing like Artem going out of his way to be like part of their family. And the mom's like, he's still out of the photo. Uh, Nikki and Bree talk about JJ's issue. Now Nikki knows uh, that JJ's got some kind of chip on his shoulder, and obviously this is something that exists between them uh, that just is being brought up on the show right now. Uh, whether or not the show is at work or not, I cringe at this family. And I guess in that case, they're doing a good job. I don't... Uh, Daniel Bryan and uh, and Nikki... Brian Danielson, of course. Uh, you reverse the name. That's his real name. Brian is on a video call. They're talking about the car theft and how Bree really doesn't feel safe. Uh, you know, just meters away from where she and her daughter were sleeping, someone committed a fucking crime and knew what they were doing and stole her car. JJ and Lauren's house. Mom is there. Bree is there. Birdie is there. Everyone is hanging out. They are making their famous pesto salmon or so. Don't know what that is. Pesto salmon. I'm following though. Uh, the, the mom is there. It's about to storm outside. Where the fuck is Nikki? cut to Nikki and Artem at a restaurant. They are ordering Artem the first uh, falter in his character here as he orders a burger and uh, annoyingly asks for a lot of a la carte things with it. Uh, taking onions off a burger and etc. That's, come on man, just order the burger. For fuck's sake. If you're ordering the burger, order the burger. Take onions off the burger. Nikki makes Artem dance in front of the wait staff like a monkey. Not literally like a monkey, but basically commands that he do it. Uh, so when the pussy's that good, Brie calls, and uh, Nikki says she's not coming. Awkward, uh, Nikki here, a bitch, uh, to put her sister in this situation at the party already, talking to Nikki, learning this information, uh, where Nikki seems like she has no intention of actually confronting what's happening. She was just going to no-show on her brother, who was expecting her to show up and probably bought food for her and Artem. So... Bad, Nikki. Uh, Brie tells mom about Nikki and the situation. JJ gets a text from Nikki at this time, and he's a little pissed off. Validates what JJ has been saying about Nikki, basically. Uh, Nikki and Artem fight with a piece of pie at their table. Uh, You know, young and in love, smearing food on one another. 
Brian's home. They're touring the yard and looking for security features to add to the outside of the home uh, so that Brie will feel safe. Brian understands her concern and wants her to feel safe. Brian here... Uh, Brian and Artem, again, I, I throw back to is when they're on screen, you're like, okay, at least nothing fucking insane is going to happen. Uh, Brian here is being very grounded, uh, understanding what they, he wants to do something so she feels more secure, uh, but won't go as far as to putting up like a gate in front of their, their door and stuff like that. Uh, nothing too, that involves too much construction to the house, etc. Uh, as Brian likes it, oh natural. Uh, they the, these two are not on the same page. They very much care. These are two people who are in love and care for each other, but increasingly have very different viewpoints on fucking everything, uh, and that is a problem. And I believe that is that is not just a kayfabe thing in this reality show. Uh, they seem very genuine when they talk about this. And I know they're still together and they're expecting a second child, so obviously things uh, it's a bit of a rough patch here. Um, but all the best to those two. And, uh, hope your fucking car doesn't get stolen again. That, that fucking sucks. All right. Back in Phoenix, JJ says to mom, Hey, are you still planning to not have Artem in this photo? And the mom's like, yep. And JJ's like, that's so weird. And JJ got to temporarily join, uh, Artem and Daniel Bryan as the, just say it like it is. Why isn't anybody telling someone this is stupid? Uh, John Laurinaitis is there, uh, who is the Bella's mom's husband, who you might know from every other reality show. He just doesn't show up in this one so much anymore. They're in the desert. There's distant thunder. A storm is coming. It's photo shoot time. Artem is just getting off a plane. Nikki is running late, as is Bree. There's a 10-minute walk, a hike, as it were, through the desert in heels and their outfits to where they're taking pictures. And this thunderstorm is just barreling towards them. Uh, their mom calls them bitches for complaining while her granddaughters are uh, within earshot. Thunder pounding. JJ making snide comments to Nikki. And there's a fucking showdown. Nikki and JJ have an argument here. And not the type of argument where things are actually talked over or what's making someone upset. This was just a bitch fest. As they walk back to their cars, as is now pouring rain... Artem approaches. Nikki runs to hug him. JJ yells at Artem and quickly in one sentence here, I don't know what exactly he says, but we just took the picture. My mom didn't want you to be in it or something along those lines. Like he just blows up her spot and it's fucking hilarious uh, that she's been paranoid about what's going to, like this nothing problem with Artem this whole time. And then JJ just blows it at the end. Uh, I thought that was super funny. Uh, the, the photo shoot, therefore, is literally everybody being pissed off, rained on, and yelling at each other, which is kind of funny, and what this family deserves uh, at this particular time. It's been one week since uh, since that fight. It's uh, we're in L. A. I believe we're in uh, wine country here at some guy's private zoo. Uh, I missed the title card. It was the first one that didn't say Phoenix, and I fucking missed it. So they could be in Napa Valley or something. Anyways, they're at a guy's resort, and he's got a giraffe, and they're taking pictures. Artem is openly openly joking about being in photos with the mom. Uh, the mom is there to basically make good and apologize. And guess what? Artem accepts her apology because he's a fucking good guy and immediately understands what she means without her having to make it too awkward. She literally just had to talk to him and not Nikki or worry about it. So that was a plot that went nowhere and didn't need to be resolved. Phoenix. Bree, Nikki, and Birdie are at the Children's Museum. JJ's invited to, as the whole family goes off to play, JJ and Nikki hash it out. Uh, it's the last four minutes of the show, so they actually do make up here. Explains 
uh, it's important that Nikki comes to see these girls, that they don't bring up Nikki uh, in general conversations, and that hurt JJ as maybe JJ feels that way about himself in his own family, that it's Nikki and Bree this, Nikki and Bree that. Uh, JJ has some uh, abandonment issues. He's very genuine here. Uh, they both get it. They like the whole problem with this whole family is they all understand how each other is feeling. Uh, they just it, when it gets too awkward, when they feel too much what other people are feeling, uh, they they do this. They shut down on each other, uh, and it makes people yell at each other for a bit. We're in the credits. Bree will be on WWE backstage next week. Uh, there's a vision board. Some other shit's going on. And uh, Artem keeps doing a joke where he pretends to uh, propose to Nikki. That's Artem's new joke. And that's the fucking show. 50 minutes. My God. Most Sultans of Slam episodes don't even go this long. When I have someone else to talk to, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to talk an hour about these shows. Uh, thank you all for joining me. I hope you're staying safe out there. If you haven't already, go listen to the Public Beta Podcast, episode 11. From this previous Friday... I let you in on some weird Animal Crossing stuff as well as the news. And then me and Reed talk about the ending of Final Fantasy VII Remake. So go check that out. Uh, as always, you can interact with the show. Lee at Tits of the Iceberg is my email address. At Tits Iceberg on Twitter. Send us your topics or questions. I would love to cover them. Uh, have something to talk about. Uh, I'll be back again next Sunday, as far as I know, talking about AEW Dynamite, The Big Show Show, and Total Bellas, so I hope you can join me. Uh, until then, I've been Lee, and this is the Sultans of... Slam and walk